0: Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. So we are on chapter seven, and it is Do I really have purpose? Do I really have purpose? Now, I want to tell you guys a little backstory about this because, <clears throat> excuse me, because this is so important to why I put this in the book and why I put it where I put it in the book. And so I know I told you guys the first uh, class that we had, the first meeting we had about how whenever God put it on my heart that our group needed to know more about their identity, that's what kind of got me into that mode of writing this book, right? Of, Um, (laughs) our tech guy is having issues. Um, (coughs) he's, he's going to get fired. I'm kidding. I love our tech guy. (laughs) For those of you online, that is Nathan, just to clarify that. (laughs) Um, anyway, so God really put it on my heart that, that the church needed to understand their identity. And what I didn't tell you guys was in the beginning, in order to write this book, I didn't want to just throw out things that I knew. I wanted to get our group's input. I wanted to know things that they struggled with. I wanted to know, as far as their identity went, I wanted to know what they want, had questions about and and, and just curiosities about. And so I had these little pieces of paper and I handed them out and said, Hey guys, if you'll write down the things that you have questions about, the things that you don't understand, the things that you struggle with, then I'm going to actually do this whole series based on that. And so I passed the paper out. They wrote down their different things and it was all anonymous. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to look at who you are. Don't write your name. I don't want to know. And then Nathan and I took them home and that night we laid them out And there would be like five people of the condemnation. They wanted to understand how there was no condemnation in Christ. You know, 10 people about forgiveness. There were a lot about God loves me. That was a big one. Like, does God love me all the time? Is that unconditional? Like, what does that look like? And people were very curious. But the one that just totally blew my mind was this one. Do I really have purpose? Over 50% of the people in our group— didn't think that they had purpose or they were questioning if they had purpose. And I was like, Lord, Like, these are believers. Our group was a discipleship group. So these are believers. They're people that that know Jesus, that walk with Him. I'm like, God, this is the church. And and they don't know that they have purpose, Lord. And again, I said, we got to do something. What are we going to do, Lord? And He said, teach them. And so I began to study. Now, the reason why I didn't put this at the beginning of the book is so important because our purpose and our calling, those two go together, and we'll discuss that in a minute, but... If I would have put it at the beginning, we would have been focused on that because it's fun, right? Purpose and calling and, oh, it's so much fun and what it's got got for me. But we need to understand His love for us. We need to understand that we're forgiven. We need to understand that He qualifies us. We needed to understand that we are worthy and we're valuable, not because of what we're doing, but of who we are, right? And so I had to put this further to the end of the book so that we could come to this place where we're ready now. To hear that. And so I began, and back then I began to seek God on what is this going to look like? How am I going to write this? How am I going to explain this, Lord? And He began to bring me back to whenever I was a child. He began to bring me back to whenever I had people all throughout my life that told me that I didn't have purpose or maybe, you know, people that abused me that, that put that off on me, right? We've all, we've had that. Some of us have had that where people have abused us. It's not that they've told us you don't have purpose, but them doing the things that they've done to us have made us question, do I really have purpose? If I had purpose, then why would something like this happen to me? And God began to show me my life. And He began to show me how, whenever I was a little kid, I wanted so bad to do something so big. I wanted to do something great. I wanted to change the world. And so I took these different avenues. And I thought that taking an avenue, I would find my purpose, right? We we do this. A lot of us have done this. I did cross country. I ran cross country. I played soccer. I was in theater theater. I, I was very involved in a lot because I was searching and I was wanting, and I was just like, I need to have a purpose. And I think part of me wanting that so bad is because I, I didn't know who I was in Christ because I wasn't in Christ yet. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I really went down these different avenues and I never, it never felt like, okay, this is it. This is my purpose. And then I gave my life to Jesus, and I thought, okay, now I've got this vision, and God's called me to preach, and He's called me to do this big ministry. But then even in that, I was like, this isn't my purpose. That's my calling, but that's not my purpose. And I think a lot of us end up there. We're just like, wait a second. I'm, I'm walking out. I'm doing what God is calling me to do. But what is my purpose? What is our purpose And in order to understand our purpose, there's a verse that the Lord brought me to, and I want to read it, and we're going to kind of dissect that tonight, because I know you want to hear what your purpose is, but we can't hear that until we understand this. This is Ephesians 2.10, but I'm reading from the Amplified Now, the Amplified Edition, I don't teach out of it a lot because you can get lost in it, but it takes words and it amplifies them. It makes them—it explains them in depth, and it just gives you a better picture. I'm a picture person, so I love reading in the Amplified. So Ephesians 2.10, I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to break it down. For we are His workmanship, His own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus— Reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which is prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which He set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us. This is a beautiful scripture. So, number one, we are His workmanship. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. God could have said, I'm going to make humans and I'm going to make them all with this kind of hair and this color eyes and this nose and this personality. And they're all going to be the same and they're all going to look alike and they're all going to serve me and they're all going to do this and they're all going to have the same interests." But he didn't. He uniquely made each one of you. He uniquely, see, we, we look at unique things and, and we're in awe of them, aren't we? But then when it comes to us, when we feel like we don't fit in, we think that's bad and it's not bad. We weren't made to fit in. We are made to be unique. We are made to be a masterpiece. When a painter paints his masterpiece, there are replicas, but those replicas don't have any value compared to the masterpiece and you are God's masterpiece. He created you with his hands, with his breath. He loves you. He chose everything about you. I heard another preacher say once, make peace with your thighs. That was like revolution for me. I was like, yes, Jesus. (laughs) You know, back in my cross country days, I was a stick. (laughs) But now I got some thighs on me, right? We got to make peace with the things that we don't like about ourselves. we got to be okay with that. I'm not saying we just do whatever and just eat whatever and don't have any discipline. But what I'm saying is we got to make peace with ourselves. God created us this way. And there's a reason. You're porkiness that you have, there's a reason that you have it. The things that you go home and you say, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. I wonder what they're thinking about me. Stop. You got to stop doing that because God created you for a purpose. God created you uniquely. Embrace that. Amen? Amen. Number two, created in Christ. Back to the verse, created in Christ, reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed. Again, the instant we say yes to Jesus, when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are instantaneously a new creation. Old man couldn't do it. New man comes in. We are completely new man. But now we're not in and of ourselves because in and of ourselves didn't work, did it? In and of ourselves messed up a lot, sinned a lot, fell on the on their face a lot. And so Jesus did it for us, but now we're in Christ. So not only are we a masterpiece, but now we are in Christ. So we are holy, righteous, and redeemed. We are above and not below We are everything that Jesus is. We are adopted into the family of God. And that is amazing. And we need to understand that in order to walk in our purpose, in order to walk out our calling. Number three, we're going kind of fast through this. There's a purpose. (laughs) Okay, that's good. I know. Okay, I try to be funny sometimes. It doesn't work. Okay, ready to be used for good works. Here's the deal is that you're ready. You are ready. Why are we ready? Because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Again, instantaneously, what happens when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. He is living inside of us. He's good to go. He's ready. He knows what needs to happen, and he's going to make it happen. Sometimes we don't feel ready, do we? But we are ready, and we need to understand that no matter what, that we are ready for these good works that Paul is talking about, which leads us to the last part of the scripture, and it says, "Prepared for us beforehand. The good works that were prepared for us beforehand. Let's read it. So uh, ready to be used for good works, which is prepared for us beforehand, taking paths, which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us. So here's the deal. Remember how I've told you guys how God from in the beginning, he saw and he said, it is good. And I believe in that moment, he knew, I mean, I do know he knew because God knows everything, right? And so he could already see all the way to this day right now. He already knew that we were going to have camera issues in the beginning. He already knew that you were going to wear that shirt. He already knew what you were going to have for dinner. He already knew the things that you've cried about today. He's already knew the things that you worried about today. And see, the cool thing is, is that we are prepared for these good works when God already knew that all of these things would happen. So we can't come in and say, well, I can't do these things that God is calling me to do because my car broke down. God already knew. He already prepared for that. He already has a solution for that. Maybe he's going to use that as part of the plan. Not that he made your car break down, but maybe he's going to use that in this good works that he's talking about, that Paul's talking about. Does that make sense? But so often we have this idea, and then we think we have to strive and try. I'm going to go and do my good works for the day. Gosh, dang it. No matter how hard I try, I can never do it. Well, you're not going to do good works if you're constantly striving and stressing and anxious about it. We've got to step back and we've got to surrender and say, God, I'm here. Use me. Amen. So we read this scripture and we see all of these things together, that we are his workmanship, that we are in Christ, that we are ready to be used for good works, that, we are per- that we're prepared for us ahead of time. And we see how God has this amazing plan for our life. And then we look at it and we say, okay, Carrie, that's great. But what is my plan? Purpose. What is my purpose? And one thing that God began to show me after reading the scripture was that it wasn't about me and my ministry. Remember how I said that whenever I got, gave my life to Jesus, how I thought then, okay, now I've got my purpose. Now I know. It wasn't about Carrie. It wasn't about Carrie's ministry. It wasn't about what I was going to do. It wasn't about this class. That's not my purpose. That's my calling. That's part of what I'm called to do. That's not my purpose, though. And so we're going to read what our purpose is. This is in Matthew 22. We're going to start in verse 34. Before we get started, let me give you a preface. So basically the Pharisees, if you don't know about the Pharisees, they were this religious group of people that their thinking was completely opposite of Jesus's thinking. So they were, they thought that their purpose was to live by the law and do it to perfection, And Jesus comes in with this message of grace and forgiveness and love. And they didn't like it because it it went against everything that they were teaching. And so they were constantly trying to trap Jesus in questions. And so in verse 34, we see where they do this very thing. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, listen. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our purpose is to love God and love people. It's so simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Our calling is how we walk that out, right? So you're a janitor. While I do is sweep floors, I don't have a purpose. Yes, you do. Your job is to love God and love people. While I do is sweep floors, I mean, I don't know how I can do that. Well, you can sweep those floors for the glory of God. You can praise him while you're doing it. And you can love some people while you're there. Amen. Everybody has the same purpose. Nobody is up here and other people down here. You can be a CEO of a company. You can love God and love people. Just the same as somebody that is sweeping floors. Just the same as somebody that's cleaning pee off of the toilets in a prison. You clean that pee up with joy. And and you go and you love those prisoners. Amen? Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Nobody is better than anybody else. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing this in the church of all places. I'm like, no. When you study Jesus' life, everything that he did had a basis of loving God and loving people. You're like, well, Carrie, he did, you know over the tables. And he went off on the the Pharisees and Sadducees. Yes, because he loved God and he loved people. And guess what? He loved the Pharisees. You're like, (gasps) yes, he loved the religious people. He not only didn't like what they were doing to hurt people, to oppress people, but he actually loved them. And he saw what they, they were doing was leading them to death because they didn't believe in him. So by him calling them up or calling them out, he was actually calling them up and out. He was saying, guys, you've got to stop this. You've got to get this revelation or you're not going to go and be with me forever in eternity. You've got to get this revelation. He loved the Pharisees so much and he loved God so much that he was willing to do whatever it took to be able to call them up and out, to be able to change their mind about what they were doing. And that is where we get this basis from loving God and loving people. We can do this in anything, but we complicate it, don't we? So often we make it so complicated. Oh my gosh. I remember uh, this was a few years ago. I was doing a memorial service and it was for this family that like, they're legit like Jesus in the skin to me. They just loved us when we moved here and half of them didn't even know Jesus, guys. It's pretty sad, actually. And they just treated us so well, and they had lost this young girl. She was like 20, and she had OD'd, and they asked me to do the memorial service. Well, I'd already committed to preaching at the sanctuary because it was the men's retreat weekend, and so I didn't want to break that commitment, but I really wanted to do this funeral for them. And so I went ahead and took it on, and and Nathan was out of town. He was at the men's retreat, which he's never missed any of my sermons at church, not once, except for that one time. And I was like, Oh my gosh, God, what did I do? I just like way overcommitted. I've literally got a memorial service on Saturday and then a message on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And so I I actually called our head pastor, Eric, and I I was like, I need some advice on this funeral. You know, they're very specific about things and I don't know how to do this. And And we were kind of talking and he kind of got into it. We were getting caught up in the details of the occupation when God was trying to bring me back to the orientation. And Eric just stopped and he was like, Carrie, just pastor them. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. You know, and, there, and I'm not saying we don't prepare. I'm not saying I don't work on my sermons and I just show up and, you know, hope that everything goes well. We, we, there's a season and there's times that we need to prepare. But we were getting so caught up in what we were doing or I was getting so caught up in what I was doing that I forgot why I was doing it. And I had to go back to that basis of my purpose because the other was my calling, but my purpose was what? To love God and love people. So as a wife, I love God and I love people. Love God, honor him, bring his presence into every part of my marriage, bring kingdom to earth in my marriage. I don't do this perfect. Nathan's looking at me like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I'm not perfect at this, but that's the goal, right? That's my purpose. Love God, love people. Who are the people? Well, it's a person (laughs) I'm married to one guy (laughs) that would be Nathan as a mom. That's my calling. Love God, love people. Who are the people? My children. So I love my children. I I spend time with my kids. I, I nurture them whenever they need nurturing. I discipline them. I'm really good at that one. Discipline them when they need disciplining. Amen. Love God, love people. And I do it for the glory of God. I teach them about the Lord. I bring kingdom to earth. I bring the kingdom to earth. I bring the presence of God in our house. That is my purpose. Loving God and loving people. As a preacher, I love God. I love people who are the people. You guys, the church, the believers, I, I feel called to the church to teach you how to walk out your identity, teach you how to go out and love God and love people. That's actually our motto at Believe in God's Promises. Love God, love people. I just I love that. And and so who are the people? You guys, the church, the body of Christ. Love God. I honor God up here. God, this is yours. I surrender to you. Lord, I'm here. That's how I love God. God, I don't want to do this without you. I know I can't do this without you. We come to that place of surrender. That's our purpose, loving God. God, I'm doing this for you. I don't want any of the glory, God. If you have to knock me on my butt, knock me on my butt, God, do whatever it takes. I just want to glorify you. Amen. And love people. How do I love people? By teaching you, by training you, by equipping you, by... By these stories, by being vulnerable up here and telling you things I really don't want to tell you about my life, that's how I love people. So, in everything that we do, we love God and we love people. We bring heaven to earth, we bring the presence of God everywhere we go. Holy Spirit's in us, don't have to strive. Go back to that verse if you struggle with that but we love God and we love people. So now everybody knows their purpose and you can pray about your calling. I have many callings. It's not just preaching. I told you, being a wife, being a mom, all of these other things, going to the grocery store, dude, cooking apparently, I cook now. I, I don't like cooking, but I'm, I, it's part of my calling, amen? So ask the Lord what your calling is, but know that you have purpose and your purpose here on earth is to love God and love people. Amen. <laughs>